0: Hi all, Kinsey Schofield here. Had some technical difficulties with my last episode with Christopher Anderson, so here is a clean re-upload. Thank you so much for your patience, and I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Love the British monarchy. You've come to the right place. Welcome to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield. Take it away, Kinsey.
0: All right. Thanks so much for listening to the today for daily podcast. I'm here with Christopher Anderson. You've become a friend of mine. I'm so grateful to consider you a friend and you've been so kind to me. Um, and sure. you know, I, I can I was I listened to the book for the 710th time like it, I just can't tell you how many times I've listened and read to the day uh, the day Diana died. It's coming out a special edition ebook for the 25th anniversary. Uh, is this Amazon specific?
1: It's, it's uh, yeah, more or less, it's Kindle, uh, it's an ebook that uh, is more readily available as a Kindle or an ebook on Amazon, yes.
0: I love it. um yeah, I was trying to explain to a friend of mine why this is my favorite Diana book. And the only thing I could really say is, I felt like I was walking in grief with Prince Charles. And mm-hmm. for the first time in my life, you know because there uh, there's a very clear line driven, prince charles and camilla bad guys princess diana you know the victim and so for right. the very first time i f- i really truly sympathized with prince charles throughout this book uh i don't know how you did that but it was magic and i you know and as somebody that like is critical of him i really felt it was so powerful um i'm glad to
1: see that you could be both you know yes. you could be understanding and uh and of course, I mean, this is the mother of his sons. And the it, I spoke to, um, and this is, was a great thing to be able to do to talk to the people who took care of her body. But first of all, of course, to the doctor who treated her in the tunnel and the people who tried to save her life and everything. But the real, the real grabber was these nurses and uh, the, the the priest who gave her the, the last rites and all these people who were there uh, trying to cope with the you know, with something that had happened only moments earlier that we're talking about 25 years later.
0: Right. I mean it's
1: quite it was quite and those insights and they never shared those insights again a lot of those people. They never spoke again. uh the lady who ran the nursing station there, the people who reported to me about how, as you said, Charles, you know, I mean he he his first you know, they prepared her body and she's there and 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 he stands in the doorway and he almost passes out mm-hmm. from, from the impact, you know, because among the many eerie things that happened was that uh, the air conditioning had been turned on and her hair was being blown and she'd looked very lifelike. So was, again, all of these little details I think make the story come alive. Right?
0: Absolutely. One thing that stood out to me also was how important it was for Prince Charles to find her earring. Like that is such a, what a unique detail, right? Right,
1: right. and then to find it much, much later embedded in the uh dashboard of the car yeah so- i think it
0: was seven weeks if i if i am re- it was a very long time but the fact that 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 was on his mind that it was important for her to look her best you know and so he wanted to have her jewelry on um i thought that was really sweet he had lilies delivered to her room uh another uh, one of the um Details you mentioned that has stuck with me since the very first time I read the book was that they placed her in a blue room because someone said that they thought that that was her favorite color. Isn't that you? Know, isn't this was a horrific incident, but that was special, right? All
1: right. Everybody was paying great attention to the smallest detail. And of course, Paul Burrell was there. He was fetching the dress uh that she would wear in her coffin. The coffin was had. A, had a, another odd detail was that it had an open. A lid, a kind of a a, a glass window, so you could see even when they closed the coffin. There, closed the coffin. There she was. Um, You know, the 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 feeling of of grief that was felt by the French people was quite astounding. I mean, there was uh, remember Beatrice uh, Humbert, who was the head nurse. You know, she said she she was looking at, uh, staring down with the most beautiful and famous face in the world, and she thought at any moment those eyes had to open. You know, Mm. I think I, I think in trying to to recreate what happened to her and, and, and the, the the irony, so many one irony upon another upon another, over the course of her life, and, and the circumstances leading up to her death, quite the story happened to tell.
0: Well, I wanted to ask you about the coffin. So I'm glad you brought that up. Paul mm-hmm. specifically had said that she had envisioned at the time of her death that she wanted to have a window so that her face so she i I don't know if she was claustrophobic or if she felt that you know people might want to see her but that Mm. was one of her specific wishes if if it was her wish that she that people be able to see her or or that she have access to those to to people or to the outside world do you think that she would be happy where she's buried today i always am so fearful that she's lonely
1: I think a lot of people feel that way because, you know, it was uh, that is a lonely spot, that island in the middle of uh, the lake uh, at, at Alder. And, and uh, again, they were trying to, they didn't want another Graceland on their hands. They didn't want people uh, flocking around her, uh, her grave. But I'm not so sure that isn't something she wouldn't have appreciated. I think you're right. I think she would have liked to have been in the middle of things, you know. Uh, in, in a sense, uh, you know, that statue that was just uh, un, uh, unveiled not that long ago really, I'm not a huge fan. I don't think it had captured her magic at all, but that's the only thing that's really there to remind, you know, and it's stuck away. And there isn't really a great monument to her in the city of London. I think that's really quite tragic. Do
0: you you think that they would ever move her body so that she could have that, you know, grand, you know, place in one of those historic churches or something? I, I, I just don't imagine that, that, I feel like it's such a lonely, forever place.
1: It is, and I and I think people feel that when they visit it. I I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't think the royal family has still come to grips with the impact that she had. I think there still is a simmering resentment among um, defenders of uh, you know, Charles and in that camp. And I and I again, I'm still quite critical of him. Um, I know. I mean, uh, the, you always ask yourself, what would Diana think? If she were alive today, she'd be 61 years old. And I, I think she'd be, you know, delighted that her sons are happily married and, and her yeah, wonderful grandchildren and uh, uh, the boys have both found a great purpose in their lives. And, of course, William, and they, she would have loved both wives, I'm quite certain. But uh, there has to be great sorrow over the fact that this rift has occurred. And that uh, Harry you know has such uh, I mean Harry Magnus has been cast out in a sense um, that we all see it and I don't think it's anything she would have ever anticipated. So um, you yeah, know the way things have evolved who, who could have predicted it but, you know I, we're talking about the 25th anniversary I, I have been covering the royal family for 50 years and I can remember all those years when no one you know when everyone wondered when 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 would uh, Charles finally, find someone and marry her. And and Diana was never on the horizon, of course, she was so young. Yeah. Um, so she really did transform everything. She, she transformed our, our the nature of celebrity itself, really, I think.
0: Well, um, I was going to, this was actually at the top of my list, but I skipped it. Uh, I'm
1: sorry, I'm a rambler. Oh, no, no, I love
0: it. No, it was at the top of my list. And I'm glad you said that because it's bringing me back to it. Is Diana's death the worst thing that has ever happened to this British royal family?
1: Oh, well, uh, I think a lot of people would have thought maybe Wallace Simpson was the worst <laughs> Right.
0: Thing. Or uh, Andrew.
1: Or Andrew, yes. Uh, I, I, it was a, certainly the cataclysmic event. It almost brought the monarchy down. People forget there were so many missteps on the part of the queen uh, and other members of the royal family. And Charles really did save the day. I have to, I have to hand back to him that he really whipped everybody into shape and made sure that they, that Diana got the respect that she deserved. But uh, it was a close call. You know, the people were angry at the queen. Very.
0: And then some other books I've read, it almost sounded like senior royal members of the family were resentful of Diana's death. It inconvenienced them. Did you ever feel that way as you were researching this?
1: Absolutely. I think it's they, you still get that sense, you know, and of course, those people that are, you know, on Team Camilla and Charles, they uh, have never stopped portraying um, Diana as a hopeless neurotic. Now, she did have problems. I will say that she was driven to them by the, the behavior of the other royals in the family. Uh, she became manipulative because she had to survive, I think. And uh, but that, they still hold a grudge, you know, and it's very visible and um i think it's unfortunate that this is all lost now in this battle between the brothers because that's what people think about and uh not enough attention is paid to diana and what she would have wanted and she would have wanted them to find a way to come together to work together
0: well because sometimes prince harry his actions lean more towards that spencer blood it feels like you know
1: well, it's no, it's no uh, coincidence that, you know, he ended up in Montecito and uh, she was already, she'd uh, Doty had purchased that uh, Julie Andrews old uh, mansion in Malibu. And he, she intended to live in California a big chunk of the time. She would have understood his need to get away and do that. But I don't think she would have wanted him to exit. the. Family. I don't think he intended, of course, to completely uh, exit the family, and give up all of his uh, military honors and that sort of thing. Um, and he's still, you know, everyone's waiting to see what uh, Awaits in his memoir. That's going to be such a another. Uh, it has to be full of bombshells. Let's face it. Uh, and uh, and the, the rest of the royals. Who knows what their reaction is going? Not going to be. That could be good.
0: You mentioned Dodie and um, one thing that was also really compelling about the day Diana died is you. You kind of. I mean, it's heartbreaking to think that. Once she died, Doty's father almost instantly had everybody pack up her belongings in the Ritz and ship them out so Diana is laying their nude on the table they're they're getting her you know they're doing her hair they're just trying to make her presentable but they they come to the realization that she has nothing to wear and it's panic mode for a while because they're trying to find clothing to put the most famous the most significant woman in the world um, they want to honor her they don't they don't want her to be in this position what what were muhammad's motives there is he just trying to is he so frustrated and acting out of desperation i mean why just pack up her stuff and and ship it out it, it kind of created it put people in a difficult position
1: right i think well i think he was angry with the british uh, royal family for all the obvious reasons he'd been shunned by society his entire, he desperately wanted to be accepted uh and and he did feel from the get-go that his uh, that his son had been along with diana had been the victims of a conspiracy to murder them wow. and i think he was so uh full of rage and confusion and grief understandably that he being the man of action that he always has been he just cleaned it up and shipped it back he wanted to kind of sever his own any kind of emotional he didn't want to look as if he was playing the royals game i think mm. by the way the, uh, the wife of the British ambassador who came up with the dress, uh, so there was a lot of scrambling going on. Uh, to uh, But but yes, it was a time of just massive confusion. And of course, uh, Mohammed uh, Al-Fayed, the, uh, Dodi's dad, still thinks uh, his son was murdered. Um, I think there's no doubt that they were the victims of a drunk driving accident. Uh, you know, again, I Henri Paul, the driver of the car, I talk about him and his situation in in the book in great detail, and there was no question that he was, uh, you know, impaired to the max. And he was coping with his own grief. He had a a breakup with a a young woman that he'd been involved with for a long time, and that uh, he was kind of coping with his own emotional problems. And unfortunately, that's the way he did it, and got behind the wheel of a car. I wondered why the... Uh, royal family never tried to make a social point about drunk driving or about wearing your seatbelt, which Diana always did. In, but in this one case, she let down her guard. Uh, no effort was ever made to capitalize on, you know. Yes, it was a great tragedy, but it was the kind of tragedy that showcased a big problem, and that was uh, getting and drunk and getting behind the wheel, no matter what the circumstance. Um, nobody ever attempted that. I always the years somebody
0: might have done something you know i I thought that i thought that too and uh within the last few years prince harry said something in an interview and i do understand that he really you know firmly believes that the paparazzi had a I mean, it sounds like he feels like they are solely involved, are solely to blame, I should say, for the death of, of for the death of his mother. But I often think that when he does lash out at the press or bring up his mother, I, I often think we have got to remember that there was also a lack of a seatbelt and alcohol involved, two things that are just, I mean, deadly, absolutely deadly.
1: Right. Alcohol. And by the way, all sorts of uh, antidepressants and, and sedatives and whatnot. I mean, he was he was uh, Henri Paul before he got behind the wheel of the car. We all have that. that there's that famous video of Diane in the uh, uh, basement of the, uh, mm, the rich yeah. in the revolving door. And with Henri Paul there as well, the driver. But, you know, he was literally bouncing off the walls. I talked to witnesses who saw him and thought that it was astonishing that he could even walk, much less drive a car um, but of course Harry is very angry and as is William they're furious at the press they, they, they bought into this notion that they, that she was hunted to her down to her death by the ravenous uh, British tabloid uh, the you know uh, gangs but uh, the fact of the matter is there was more there was more to it than just that and the person who survived the crash of course happened to have been wearing a seat but there's some debate about that but I'm convinced he was and that was the bodyguard
0: Can you tell me about the process of researching for this book? Um, Because I just thought you did have an unbelievable access to people. And and, I mean, the access you have to people completely paints this picture. You are there. You are in the moment. And it is, you are transformed ported to this place and um, I just I was fascinated by how you how, how long did this take you who all did you talk to and did you walk away from the experience feeling any different about Diana
1: well I can remember you know like everyone else and I do talk about it in the book how I learned about it we had a dinner party here and and as we were leaving my 16 then 16 year old daughter Kate, who is now a best-selling author in her own right, Kate Anderson Brower, but she uh, comes down and says Princess Diana's been in this accident and I think she's dead. Well, of course we just thought they were wrong, uh, but people filed out of this house in they stunned, stunned. They weren't. They they it was. They hadn't reached a stage where they they could yet weep about it, mm-hmm. which everyone ended up doing uh, eventually. Um, but I knew right away. You know, I I, I had been writing books about. Uh, uh, at that point I think I'd written about I've written 35 books and, and uh, eighteen of them were New York Times bestsellers, but who's counting? Uh, <laughs> but at that point I'd done a number of biographies. But this one I thought was, you know, I I got on the on the phone to my agent who was in Japan on a train. Uh, and she got off the train, and we talked on the phone. It was before cell you know, people had cell phones. And uh, and I I said this this story has to be done, and it has to be done quickly while well, people memories are fresh and people are there, and I I flew to uh, to London. I went to to uh, Paris. Uh, interviewed, as I said, I, th- I think the people who um, are the eyewitnesses are often the people. You know, the, they're often people whose names you don't know. Again, nurses, doctors, uh, um, uh, chauffeurs, security guards, and whatnot. The people who saw what happened, people who had been standing there and witnessed the crash, um, and they could paint the picture. And then, of course, I did it myself. I drove where she drove. I you know, tried to. Uh, I, I talked to people about the circumstances surrounding the the uh, the mob scene in front of the hotel, and it was painting the picture that I thought was important. You know, of uh, I mean, it really, in my opinion, it is it's a thriller. You know, in, in yeah. a sense. Yeah. Now it's a mystery and a thriller. It's still with tremendous suspense, and there are revelations still popping up now and then. You know, I right. mean, there was uh, recently um, people have talked about. The And I've written about this in the past, but, you know, she was at one point so um, uh, confused and bewildered uh, about what was happening in the royal family that she became, she convinced herself that not only would she be assassinated to make way for um, another queen or another person in Charles's life, but uh, that Camilla would be. And that the person who would then be uh, elevated to uh, the wife of the Prince of Wales would be the nanny, you know. uh, Then Tiggy Lake Burke, well, that, of course, is nonsense. But that's how strange the stories became and things became in Diana's head at one point. But again, I think she was uh, gaslighted. Well, yeah,
0: and Martin Bashir didn't help any of that.
1: No, no, he didn't. I mean, he really made her feel that, you know, things were going on that weren't going on. Um, But uh, in fairness, uh, I have to say that that panorama interview, um, people can talk about the way it was obtained. But it was a marvelous, opened a window into the life of this woman and the institution of the monarchy. No one has really contested what she said. Everything she said in that interview was absolutely true. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Did you have trouble getting anyone to talk to you because it was so, people really felt, I mean, I still have people that want to be like, you have to understand the press is different than the paparazzi. Um, So I I think that that's always been a a topic that has confused people. Um, And so did you have trouble getting people to to want to talk to you because they felt like you, as a member of the press, had somehow been associated with this? Uh,
1: You know, I think there was, and, and and I've written about uh, John F. Kennedy Jr., who had to cope with similar treatment. J- Jackie, I I,
0: actually, I love your your JFK Jr. books. Oh too. my God! Oh but my I I I've
1: met, I've met John and, and Jackie as well. I, because we I she, I had her. She was an editor at Doubleday when I wrote a book for them. And I remember when I first spoke to her. You know, she walked in the room, and I always say it was like Mount Rushmore walking in the room, you know. She was just larger than life in every way, but, um, and, a, and a great and uh, incredibly intelligent woman. No surprise there. But getting back oh, to the. Wait, no, uh,
0: whoa, don't get back. Don't get back. I have a question then. Is it true that she did not like Diana? Uh,
1: well, I think she felt that Diana was making a, too much of a fuss. You got to remember that Jackie played the game, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, she never she knew what was going on in John's life and her in JFK's life, and she wasn't going to, uh, you know, as long as she felt that she was not publicly humiliated, right? It uh, could exist,
0: and that right. was a totally different world where the media knew and they kept his secrets because right. I don't know, they it was just a different world back then,
1: right? Well, you know, I, I remember interviewing it's funny how they they kept, I remember interviewing all of, of JFK's, uh. The, what they call the kitchen cabinet and its cabinet, but Ted Sorensen and Arthur Schlesinger Jr. and Pierre Salinger. And they insisted for years to me personally, that they just didn't know a thing. Well, of course they knew eventually they had to mess up, but they convinced themselves, you know, that uh, it's funny with the kind of uh, self delusion that goes on when you're trying to uh, keep everything together like that. Right. But the problem with Diana was that she's blew the whistle on everybody. And, and really, uh, you know, that was not the kind of thing that Jackie, uh, but I have to say, the other way around, uh, Diana admired Jackie tremendously, and um, Jackie approached her to do her memoirs for Doubleday, when Jackie was there at Doubleday, and she, well, ironically, she would go and get celebrities and try to get them to, to sign up with, with uh, Doubleday, and uh, Diana said no, but she regretted it, she, she felt, uh, she didn't regret that decision, but she felt bad that she'd have to turn Jackie down. She thought Jackie was a model mother, and she always said, "I just wish that I hope that William, in particular, can grow up uh, to be the kind of uh, gracious uh, person that the JFK Jr. became." And he, I he think really he has,
0: has. don't yeah. you?
1: Yes, yes, I, absolutely. I think William, well, and William and Kate. I mean, boy, they, I, I know that Diana would be thrilled because they obviously have it together, and they're not happy all the time, clearly, uh, but. Uh, uh, I definitely see them, you know, on the throne. I'm not so happy about Camilla, but that's another story.
0: I mean, I have I've said forever because your book, I, I've, um, like I said, I've read it a million times, and you always said that this is they they weren't being truthful when they said that she was going to be princess consort. You've always said, get ready for queen consort Camilla, and right. I cannot tell you how. Frustrated I was when we had the the um, encouragement from the queen because it's just another one of those palace chess ma- you know chess moves that they did to try to make us all comfortable with the idea of queen consort Camilla it's you know it's she's prop she's earned her place but at yeah. the same time don't lie to us you know t- you know how however many years ago it was unnecessary to lie to us.
1: Right, I, I mean, you know, when and when you say she, I, mean, I you see. I'm just one of those people who thinks, "Wow, look at how." Uh, I mean, the word "scheming" doesn't say it. I mean, how felicitous and and sneaky. I mean, the, 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 what went on for decades, you know, um, for her to be sitting on the throne when Diana was deprived of it seems to me to be uh, uh, unfair, you know, and uh, not the right. And I don't think the British people are, are happy about it either.
0: Oh, I, I when I was there for Jubilee, um, all of my drivers were complaining about it. Whenever they'd see me like pop in all, you know, with all my gear on for the for the Jubilee, they were all like, well, you know what they did. They got Diana out of the way for Camilla. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> right. that is aggressive.
1: I know, I know. And, you know, they represent a huge chunk of the British public. And I think uh, I, I don't think she was knocked off, but I do think that, uh, you know, uh, the fact that, that 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 she ends up on the throne is just one of those historical twists of fate that I find incredibly frustrating.
0: Right, yeah. especially knowing that her was—is it her great grandmother that had an affair with yes. Charlie? <laughs> it's like yeah. that's just. This <laughs> that was, is all very incestuous.
1: Alice Keppel, Well, that was the other thing too, because you know I interviewed uh, a number of the people who grew up with Camilla, and uh, and one of them was the actress Lynn Redgrave, who went, same passed away since, but she went to the same uh, uh, school. And they all remember that even as a little girl, she bragged, i mean, ten years old—and she's bragging about the her her great great grandmother Alice Keppel, who was the the uh, the king's mistress. And she, you know, she she said she was going to follow in in her great grandmother's footsteps. I find, you know, wow—that shows how long she had this in her mind, you know.
0: Oh, well, she manifested that. Yes, absolutely,
1: it happened. Yeah.
0: I, something I've, because uh, I've, we've been talking about this chat for a while, and something that I wanted to ask you was just based on how. Diana was had control of a lot of things. Diana was, she wanted to control the narrative. She was very savvy and, and she was just so smart. I mean, I know they say she wasn't book smart, but she was clearly a very intelligent woman when it comes to, I'm gonna do this and get photographed over here because that's gonna lead to this. She just understood consequences, right? Why on God's green earth did she let Dodie control that night? Jody had all the control. He wanted. He was going to go here one minute. He was going to go there one minute. Why? 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 Why did this woman who controlled everything and just was just so bright and, and so considerate of consequences, right. why did she just give up and let that man take control that night? That does not feel like her.
1: Why did JFK get behind the you know get to, uh, behind the controls of a plane with a broken uh, ankle? I mean, it just <sighs> takes one moment. One little mistake and uh, and that was it. and I think even down to the seatbelt, you know she always wore a seatbelt. and I do write in the book about how she drove around London. she was uh, had to deal with the paparazzi on the streets of London. She could maneuver her car in such a way that she did not endanger other people or, or the people she was very worried about the, mo- the guys on the motorcycles, the photographers mm-hmm. was worried they might get hurt. So she was somebody who's very savvy and conscious about driving. You know and and safety but that one one moment and uh, she let the right she let the uh, dodie take over
0: it just does not feel right. like her it just is no. like just no. you just are you just giving up i mean yeah. i honestly felt like too. i always felt like she would wear the pants in the next relationship because she lacked so much control in right. in the charles relationship i'm going to quickly look over my my notes to make sure i'm not missing anything oh and, okay Um, So I have, um, you described Diana as a woman with a mission. You also, there's also a quote from her later in the book where she refers to herself as a messenger. So do you know what the mission was and what the message was?
1: I think she was, uh, you know, incredibly spiritual. I mean, she really was, as you know, she had the gurus and, you know, uh, astrologers and all sorts of advisors in that area. And I think she felt that she would never, she said, I'll, I'll never be queen. Mm-hmm. I think she felt like an intermediary, that she was somebody who was going to bring a, a new, and I, in a sense she had, uh, brought, bring a whole new dimension to the monarchy and shove them forward. I mean, I just recall but prior to her uh, setting foot on the stage, uh, you know, the monarchy was a drab institution that was going nowhere. I mean, people aren't really... Uh, talking about the other, you know, who, who's talking about the? Well, I was going to say the Empress of J- Emperor of Japan, but I guess maybe now they are. But the thing is, you know, th- it was it was something that, that we we saw, you know, getting more and more irrelevant. Yes. And we wanted to change that, and uh, and she did it in a big way. And her sons are are just keeping that going. And by the way, I'm a huge fan of Kate. I, I, I when she gets criticized, I don't understand it at all. I think she's done an, an amazing job. And, uh and and she stuck it out you know all those years all right for her <laughs> I know
0: I, I I have a hard time with the any criticism of her too especially when there is comparisons about negative uh paparazzi attention with I mean I I have not been there every second with Meghan Markle, but it does feel <laughs> like C- Catherine got such much more abusive, horrible treatment from the paparazzi than Meghan Markle's ever received.
1: Oh, absolutely. Was, and, and this is all that time when she was, uh, when uh, William refused to commit, as they say, uh, seven, was it seven years? I think it was seven years. I think
0: ten it years. was, I thought it was 10. <laughs> ten
1: years. I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, but, but it was uh, 10 years before they got married, but I think it was about seven it was in 2007. I was there when they broke up, and I, I had a book that had just closed. It was about their relationship, and uh, we had to scramble. That was quite a lot
0: of time. Oh, I bet uh,
1: so that took everybody by surprise. They were back together within six weeks. So
0: thank God, the book's back God. on. That's right. That's what's important.
1: <laughs> Not the future of the you know, monarchy, but um, yeah, no, she, no, she was, and and William worried about that, and and now we have the Kitty story. You know, now we have the, the three. They're going to be at the Lam, uh, Lambrook School in Windsor, all three of them. I mean, of the Cambridge children. Um, there will be, you know, inevitably security concerns and all of that, even though yeah. they're fine. By the way, Harry is going with Meghan to, uh, as you know, to England. Uh, and that's going to be interesting to watch because, you know, I, I don't think he's going to get a warm and fuzzy.
0: Oh, well, no. I don't I don't know. I don't think so either. I'm surprised. It's like they keep going back into the danger zone. I was just saying, you know, why why go over to the U.K. where your where your reputation is 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 taking a hit right now? Why not continue to grow your U.S. reputation and 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 take advantage of the fact that not a lot of people have that information about you here?
1: Right. And she does. You know, she's very, very popular here. And as you know, not so much in England. Um, as a matter of fact, she's wildly unpopular in England and dragging Harry's popularity down there. But uh, I agree. I think that uh, a store, store up all the goodwill while you can because other things are coming down the pike, as you said. And and it, it does work that way. You know, you have to really take advantage of the uh, the positive vibes that are out there now. And I think it, by by not doing that, you're right.
0: Oh it just I'm just'm I'm, I'm worried for her, I'm worried for our girl um for all of them frankly, yeah, exactly. oh, you know what else? This is my last note, and then I'll leave you alone. uh I thought it was really interesting that you said during Earl Spencer's eulogy that Hillary Clinton audibly gasped um when he got to the part about protecting the children uh and and raising them in the Spencer way. Can you tell me more about that?
1: Well you know she was a uh, uh... A huge fan of of Diana, and uh, as you may recall, uh, both of the Clintons were uh, uh, incredibly touched by what happened. And I think they were very sympathetic to Diana the entire time. But also, she understood what it meant to uh, run, you know, even under those circumstances, for the Queen and the royal family to be put on the spot the way they were. The Queen actually bowed to Diana's coffin as it passed her on the way to Westminster, and. uh, unprecedented, unprecedented, yes. but she had to, that's how, and you know, she's very, it's very hard to get her to do much any of anything that's out of the ordinary or, or, or un, unprecedented, but I, she was read the riot act, you know, that if you don't show the people that you respect this woman and that you're somewhat uh, uh, sorry for your behavior up until this point, you know, you, it's going to be a rocky road ahead, so she did what she had to do.
0: Oh, and, and do you think that, um, I read recently that Earl Spencer said that they did not have an influence over the boys' upbringing the way that he intended. Um, did that
1: surprise me? Not at all. I mean, because the, right away, the, uh, the royal family uh, made a huge effort to, to separate the kids from Diana's friends, from Spencer's. Uh, that was painfully obvious. And, and so did, they,
0: that, did that hurt the boys, do you think, in the long run?
1: I'm not sure. I mean, I think that they have to cope with this world and they had to be raised in that world. I think Charles turned out to be a pretty good father. I mean, he was never, you know, both boys have said that because of everything that was going on all the time, neither Diana or Charles were as available to them as they would have liked. Right. Um, Although obviously Diana had more of an influence on on them. Um, So I, I don't know that that would have made such a difference, but still it was so, it said so much about the, the royal family, you know, that they their their intention really was to pretty much um, erase uh, Diana's influence on the boy.
0: That is where I really sympathize with Prince Harry because she was such a being of love you know she was just she radiated i thought right. you there's a quote in your book that that she says when i cup someone's face that's in you know in you know in agony or when i cup somebody's face that's hurting right. while i am you know while i am giving them you know some sort of comfort they're also giving me comfort yeah. and that is a special kind of human being and mm-hmm. to have that ripped from you and really, be stuck with people that we have never seen be affectionate whatsoever. I imagine that that is hard to process, and I do think that that is where Meghan Markle—that's her strength with Prince Harry. I—I I imagine that she's incredibly loving and comforting to him.
1: Right. I mean, she's not uh, kind of cold and aloof. But don't look at the backgrounds of these people. Look at the childhoods of the Queen and the and uh, and the, particularly Charles. I mean, they—they they were not brought up with a whole lot of affection, you know. Uh, although we now see. Uh, Charles being uh, somewhat affectionate to his mother and constantly praising her at these various stereotypes. Yeah. You know, our dearest mummy. But, uh, you know, she, he also, you know, in, in adulthood, talked about how icy, cold both of his parents were toward him. I mean, his father was even bullying and abusive. Now, you don't hear that anymore, yeah. but that was the way he was raised. And it's, it's, so, you end up, this is the product you end up with. You know, someone, I think, is very emotionally damaged and he's carrying that he's yeah, you, you, very repressed
0: and silly. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, it oh. is a special edition ebook that's available on Amazon, uh, The Day Diana Died. And it is my, hands down, my favorite Diana book. I have read it a million times. And um, no, it's just something about being transported to this place and <laughs> feeling like you're there. It's, it's magical. And I am so grateful that you wrote this book.
1: Thank you, and it it was a a great privilege to have written it. You know, I won't say I don't have a favorite book, but it definitely is up there. Well,
0: I, I do. Um, okay. But <laughs> are you are you going to work on? Are are you releasing anything else soon? Royal related, unroyal related, like you said, you've had a million New York Times bestsellers. So obviously, I imagine you sl- you don't get a lot of sleep when you're when you're a workhorse like that.
1: Well, I'm trying to. Well, you know, cutting back a tad. But uh, but seriously, I, I do have a, actually one book that's sort of waiting to be released, but it's uh, uh, not yet written
0: Okay. Well, are I'll- you going to? Are you going to tell me when it's when it's ready to oh, talk sure. about? Oh, yeah.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You, got, you got my email. Um, all right. Well, I love you so much. Thank you so much for talking Thank to you. me. And I will talk to you again soon.
1: Absolutely. I'm here. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the To Die For Daily Podcast with Kinsey Schofield.
1: A transcript of this chat is available at todiefordaily.com. Please subscribe to hear more from your favorite royal commentators. Cheers.